Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition for the last 30 years. It's Rosie on the House. Oh, yeah. Good morning, all y'all. Thank you for tuning in this morning to my house. It's Rosie on the house. The doors are wide open. The windows are too. I can taste it. I can feel it. Fall has arrived. Oh, yeah. This is when you fall in love with Arizona all over again. Four hours this morning of packed information for you. We'll be talking about painting in the 10 o'clock hour, the proper way for painting the exterior of your home. Nine o'clock hour will be open hour. Any problem or project you're trying to tackle around your house, home, castle, or cabin, we'll have a toll-free number open and available for you to call in, and we will put our 45 years of Arizona building and remodeling experience to work to answer your question the very best we can. 8 o'clock, Romy, you've got Mr. Eisenhower coming in, talking trees. Talking trees. Talking trees. And the new state record. doesn't have anything to do with trees, but it has to do with the outdoor living hour. Okay. And it's something going on this weekend at the state fair. So, All right, stay tuned for that. Hey, we've got, I think like this is like one of the busiest weeks on the calendar in a long time. What, what's your name again? <laughs> I barely uh, saw you this week, yeah. my wife, sweet Jennifer. Good morning. Golly, we were going, we were like two ships passing in the night. We covered a lot of ground this week. Starting last week, you got you and Romy were down at the Saba Home Show in Tucson. Got a little follow-up to do with that, yes. Yeah, it was the maiden voyage of the of the transit. Oh, that's right. right. on the house promotional mm-hmm. vehicle. Yep. We'll be out and about, especially during the fall season and through almost into uh, the summertime. There's always something to do. In Arizona, some festivals, some fair. You bet. Um, it's the right now in Phoenix. It's Food Day. We'll cover that in a little bit, starting at nine o'clock. In the Maryville area, and a new way to look at food. So <laughs> we're not out today, but at events like that, we'll have the promotional van just out meeting our listeners. And we do a lot. We have a lot of state parks tickets, and we get sports tickets. So it'll be an opportunity to, you know, instead of having to try and figure out. How far ahead do we have to get? Certified mail delivery. You know, we'll we'll be able to use the promotion team out and about to give a lot of these. Pass out our calendar. Hand out the calendar. I feel like you'll encourage the driver if you honk. If you see it, you can't miss it. You can't miss it if you see it honk. I feel like I've been driving in the rain for three weeks. (laughs) It's wonderful. I have to say, it's wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. Well, you're in Louisiana, half of those. But it was raining. But the whole time I was in Louisiana, it was raining here. So (laughs) we got home the day after our yard took on four inches. That was pretty exciting. Oh, man. On a follow up on the Saba. Uh, I want to thank all of you that came up and introduced yourself to us. It's so great that we're talking to you through the microphone. We never really get to visit with you. And all of you that come up and introduce yourself, we love meeting y'all. And I asked for a favor from all of y'all. You know that we have done extensive research with APS and SRP utility bills to try and help you manipulate how you buy power to get you comfortable for the least amount of money in your home year-round well now we're on the now we're on the search of doing the same thing for TEP 
And we were asking everybody we saw, please send us your TEP invoices. Please send us your TEP. And we got quite a few this week. But the more we can get, the more data we will have to help you. So if you will, as a Tucson area resident, scan us your TEP electric bill to info at rosieonthehouse.com. Put TEP invoice in the subject line. It'll come straight to me, and I'll be digesting all that data. You can redact anything you want, names, addresses. We don't need to know that. We just want to see the power consumption module. Okay? So that's the Saba Home Show. Then Wednesday morning, Romy and I had the pleasure of being at the awards banquet for the Special Olympics of Arizona. And it was a very moving morning at the Biltmore one of those rooms that's just absolutely packed. They get you in and out in an hour and a half, and you and you cry and you laugh, and it was just a wonderful time. But Special Olympics in Arizona is quite large. We have 22,000 athletes. Wow. Plus another 22,000 volunteers. And they partner, one of their big partners in that is um, for the Guardian Games and the Special Olympics is the, the police officer, the police officers of Phoenix, and I think probably other cities as well. But um, one of the speakers was Chief... Um, Assistant Chief Mary Roberts, and she was talking about the city of Phoenix mm-hmm. PD. She was asked, she was asked, why is this a good partnership? And she said, because you know, fe- police officers have a life of up and down, you know, extreme highs, extreme lows, oh, and man. everything in between. And we choose that. And the um, disabled do not choose that, and they have the same ups and downs. And she, she said, we just understand each other and we partner well. So that was really, it was just a really very moving morning. You've, you've, uh, had a lot of moving moments this past week. Yeah, so yesterday <laughs> was the 40th anniversary for Livestream Assisted Living, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful care facility. And um, I got yeah. home from Saba, Romy, and her eyes were all red and swollen, and she just finished well, watching. Well, that was in Saba you were home from. It was Paula Verde. Just finished yeah. watching the movie on Glen Campbell. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, see? dementia and music, and yeah, so I was, I was kind of a basket case. But there's a, <laughs> if you're looking for that sort of thing, um, start with, Live streams, they're just an amazing place. Really make the folks feel at home. They have some innovative programs. Well, a great week. And then Romy and I got a tour of the refueling event at the Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant, and that was mind-blowing. We're going to cover that in more detail a little bit later. I did bring later. a Geiger counter just in case, though. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, Gary, you don't need to. We went through so many Geiger counters coming in and going out of that place. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> So we've got a lot of events going on. You know, one of my favorites is going to be Celebrate 68 in Old Town Scottsdale. They're going to recapture the vibe of the 1960s when they unveiled the Scottsdale City Hall. And they're going to have, um, and it, which is an award-winning building designed by Benny Gonzalez. And when I was studying architecture at ASU, one of the reasons he won so many awards for that was he started putting shade in hmm. the parking lot. Innovative. <laughs> he innovated trees in a parking lot instead of just massive acres of black asphalt benny gonzalez started shading the parking lot so that's one just one of the many things he'll go down for but they're going to have all kinds of events like a main street car meet featuring barrett jackson stroll down main street alongside classic cars from the 50s 60s 70s at the uh, valley ho they're going to have the beatles versus the stones musical showdown they're going to have a march with the mariachis where the public's invited to join them, march from the city hall down to Valley Ho. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Just get to City of Scottsdale, and right there on the homepage, it says uh, you've got one tab for it right there, events, celebrate 68. When is that one? That's going on. 
This weekend? Yes. Oh, wow. So, a lot going on. But we did get the opportunity to have a special guest drive down from the Verde Valley this morning. I'd like to introduce our special guest, Laura Varen Burkhart. She's a park ranger with the Montezuma Castle and Tuzigoot National Monument. Laura, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Excited oh. to be here. Well, I have to tell you, you kind of monitor two of my favorite little stops in Arizona. And I think it's, you know, Montezuma Castle is so easy to get to. And I just had an employee tell me who's been in the state like 20 plus years. He's driven by it a thousand times. We got to fix that. And never pulled in. That, that's so common when people <laughs> come in. Uh, we get We obviously get visitors from all over the world, but... Visitors from Arizona, they say, I've driven past this brown sign, I can't tell you how many times, and I finally had the time to stop in, and they're always so glad they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really just minutes off off of I-17. I think two miles, two and a half miles. Yeah. Yeah. A fabulous visitor center. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we we have it's small, but the the museum is pretty fantastic. It has uh, some items on display that were discovered there during during the uh, the archaeological study of the of the site, um, as well as some cultural information of our of our affiliated tribes, the the tribes that um, are the descendants of the people that lived there. So it's it's got both past and current information, and then um, the trail to me is is it's a short trail it's only a third of a mile but yeah. it's got these huge sycamore trees ash trees uh, right down in the river bottom yeah yeah and uh even we still get even though we're higher in elevation we still get really hot up there in the summer but half the trails in the shade so it's really tolerable any time of year um it's the what we call the most accessible easiest trail in the national park service that's interesting yeah uh, at least in our opinion, yeah, I, I, others might argue with. Is me there a on paved that, trail all yeah. the way through? Yeah, it's it's pretty much a flat sidewalk all the way around, and it's uh, um, so yeah, it, and anyone can do it and um, experience nature, experience culture, um, and we have uh, a staff, a really great staff of rangers and volunteers there as well. It was one when we moved here in '65. It was one of the first parks we went to as a family. And I was reading literature that said in the late 50s, you were no longer able to climb through it. I distinctly remember visiting it in the fall of 66, and we climbed through it. So that's that's actually really <laughs> common. Uh, the visitor traffic to the main structure was closed in 1951. Okay. But what they ended up doing, there's another structure at the end of the loop trail. We call it Castle A. Um, and when it was studied, it was no longer intact. Uh, but after they closed Montezuma Castle, they rebuilt Castle A mm-hmm. to uh, what they assumed it might have looked like uh, to give visitors that experience of still climbing through something because that was it. such a popular thing to do. And so visitors, we get visitors all the time that have lived in Arizona their whole lives, and they say, I I was here in 1971, and I swear I went up there. and. <laughs> The the memory is just a funny thing, really. Okay. A lot of people remember seeing the castle, and then they remember climbing up ladders. And uh, chances are it was that Castle A structure that they deconstructed in the late 70s. And now when you visit it, 
it's still on display, but it's just the footprint of that structure. So you can, it's kind of cool, actually. It, it, it's if if you're if you're into uh, learning how the these buildings were constructed, you can see how they used the limestone cliff as an advantage as a stronghold for yeah. uh, basing their their uh, their homes. It, they would they would build basically up against this cliff. It, it had so many advantages. It was your anchor point. It was your thermal mass. It was so many things. So we're talking about Montezuma's castle right up i-17 two minutes off the freeway if you haven't stopped in you've got to we're going to come back and talk about it the castle a which is no longer there was actually the larger of the two structures we're talking four thousand square feet five stories tall i've been a hod carrier in my (laughs) past and we're going to come back and talk to laura about what is it like carrying hod up a sycamore ladder five floors to lay that cap block when we get back at Rosie on the House. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Come on in, y'all. Pour that second cup of coffee. The door's wide open. The couch is empty. Come in, sit down, and join the conversation. The conversation this morning with Park Ranger Laura Baron Burkhart from Montezuma Castle. We are just talking a little bit about the castle itself. Tell us a little bit about the culture, pre-Columbian Sanagua culture. Right. So the the culture that occupied central Arizona, uh, we call the Southern Sanawa. Um, we're not sure what they called themselves, obviously, but uh, archaeologists have assigned that name to them to because they, based on the materials that were found during the study, uh, during the excavation of these sites, they really distinguish themselves far apart from the Mogollon culture, from uh, the ancestral Puebloan culture, which many people are familiar with sites like Mesa Verde. Sure. That'd be the ancestral Puebloan culture. And all these cultures existed pretty much during the same time period, but they had uh, uh, distinguishing materials, uh, certain ways of making pottery, basketry, jewelry, clothing, but they all had uh, an economic relationship with each other. These trade routes would extend as far west as the Pacific Ocean and as far south as central Mexico. Um, we found, uh, I say we like I was there, it was mostly the 1920s and 30s that these studies were being done first. Uh, but uh, they found seashells from the Pacific Ocean made into jewelry, uh, the the skeletal remains of scarlet macaws, um, parrots from central Mexico that were brought all the way up in to the, the Verde south. Valley. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they they were actually found all over the Southwest, which is really kind of interesting. Uh, an exotic animal uh, being brought up uh, for for trade, really. Um, and then uh, the the culture, we we believe that it was first established sometime around 650. Uh, but it it really started to distinguish itself around uh, between 900 and, and 1050. That's when uh, agriculture really started to take a foothold in that valley. And that's when you see these stone and clay structures start to appear, uh, like Montezuma Castle, like Tuzigut. Um, My curiosity wants to know, what 
what impact did the eruption of Sunset Crater have on these people? And that was what that was 11th century, I think, when it when it erupted. I mean, basically, all of northern Arizona is covered mm-hmm. in lava flow, which makes for great building material, <laughs> <laughs> and it also makes for a great fertilizer for the soil. But the event itself, there's the 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 direct impact as as far as my knowledge is, is and and the Verde Valley is is that part is limited for me but uh the you're right about the soil being impacted for sure that uh carbon deposits coming into the soil would have made it richer and more fertile uh which would would have made it easier for uh for farming communities to start farming large scale um and you would get hardier crops in that uh with that type of soil um and we do see at least in the Verde Valley uh from what I understand, Sunset Crater it was around 1050 that the last time that it erupted, and around 1050 that we uh, start to see these stone and clay structures start to appear. So there, there, de- there's definitely evidence that there could be a correlation there between this major geological event and a um, a, a, a population boom of this uh, of this era. So yeah. and and there's. There's other evidence. Uh, I've heard from other rangers that work up at Sunset Crater and Wapaki National Monuments that there's certain dwellings that are in that area that have like an ash line mm-hmm. around it or over it from that time period. So I imagine there was a big shift in where people lived at the time, too. I, I imagine you, you, you look at uh, what happened recently at Volcanoes National oh. Park and... It not only affected the national park, oh. but it was going through people's neighborhoods, yes. and yeah. they they definitely had to figure out uh, a different way to live and, and different places to stay uh, within their own community. Well, you divide your time between Montezuma and Tuzicoop, both of the Sanawas, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, one's built in a cave, and one is built on a hilltop. Right. But they are built of stone and mortar, and we're going to come back with Laura Burkhart when we get back. And talk some more. And the other thing I want to talk about is the events that y'all have going on at these parks, okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. It's Rosie on the house. Don't y'all go anywhere. We're here with park ranger Laura Baron Burkhart from Montezuma Castle as well. She divides her time between Montezuma Castle and Montezuma Well mm-hmm. and Tuzigoot National Monument. I want to talk about when they put the scuba gear on and went to the bottom of Montezuma Well. What did they find? Rosie on the House, Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Taking a lazy day hike across the great state of Arizona this morning at my house, Rosie on the House. Come on in. Join us on the hike. Hiking through Montezuma Castle, Montezuma's Well, and Tuzigoot National Monument with park ranger Laura Varen Burkhart. Laura, we were just talking about you. You're at the Montezuma Castle. Mm-hmm. You also spend some time at the well. Correct. Okay. Now y'all have a great museum visitor center at the castle. Right. You have really just a contact booth at the well. Right. Yeah. It's a uh, um, when you arrive and park in the parking lot, you'll see basically a little hut, and it's where our rangers and volunteers can get into the air conditioning for a little while. Yeah. And eat their lunch, but. You can, uh, if you can't find a ranger in the contact station, uh, then you'll find them on the trail. Uh, we we 
that is a fun park to work at because the rangers and the volunteers get to be on the trail uh-huh. as long as they want to yes. which is what why we all decide to do a job like this right right (laughs) not to be Uh, in the office correct yeah Yeah. so the well it's a sinkhole and so i remember y'all sent divers down there and i thought now this is gonna be good they're gonna find like old wagon wheel axles burrow bones you know miners axes i mean it was fairly pristine down there is what i remember the findings were right yeah they're we didn't really find anything like that <laughs> down there, which I, I guess is kind of surprising, at least as far as I know. We we didn't find anything like that down there. Um, uh, the water uh, in that, that sinkhole is just so unique. So the bottom, and, and this is where it, it could be a surprise, but the, the bottom is really a false bottom. It's this cloud of suspended fine silt. And it looks it looks like sand at the bottom of it. But if you were to, and I've seen from the videos, if you were to just put your hand down in the bottom, it would just sink through this cloud of silt. So could there be stuff below that? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> How deep is it to that to that artificial bottom? It's uh, 45 feet, okay. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, we're actually not sure how deep the 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 cracks in the rocks go. Uh, the aquifer is below it. That's where all the spring water comes out of. But we're not quite sure how deep that uh, those cracks go down. So um, it's it's still a mystery. The we can't visibly see the bottom, and any sort of instrument like a sounding. Uh, equipment that we were to drop down there, that weight, the the pressure from the water pushes those weights back up, so we can't we can't drop anything down there. And then the the cloud of silt is so fine that any sort of s- waves that we want, like sonar, radar, if we want to put it down there, it just that silt reflects it back up. So we can't really map the bottom of the well. Uh, so it still kind of puzzles hydrologists and geologists. Well, what do the what do the archaeologists say was the relationship between the castle and the well? They certainly didn't need the well for fresh water supply with Beaver Creek right there. What is there a relationship, or is it just a consequence and we just connected them because we could? They they have a relationship because even though Montezuma Well, the main feature is a geological formation, there are archaeological sites there of the Sanawa. There's um, small cave dwellings, small cliff dwellings, and a couple of hilltop pueblos similar to Tuzigut. So kind of all, there's also a pit house on display that's as you enter the park, um, and that's an earlier version of housing from that time period. Uh, So you get to see all the different versions of houses plus this geological formation, and all of that water so all the water that pumps into the well, it's a million and a half gallons a day that pumps into the well and consequently leaks out of the well. It leaks through the side of the mound and is caught in a prehistoric irrigation system. And that water is channeled to a field. And that field, we believe, was a giant agricultural field for this culture. Uh, and it's evident they wouldn't have spent all that work oh. and time maintaining a irrigation canal if it wasn't used for something important like like food. Well, that's a very yeah. significant connection. And you were talking about the pit houses and the little cliff dwellings and stuff. I think um, 
if people could walk through the Verde Valley mm-hmm. with a trained eye, they'd be amazed at the number of dwelling sites that exist. And I mean, that goes all the way down to almost almost to like Black Canyon City, mm-hmm. all the way up uh, New River, uh, Awafria, mm-hmm. uh, Verde Valley. I mean, there were thousands of people that inhabited this area. Yeah, and something that uh, something I think is really interesting, so uh, something that we all need to survive, obviously, is water. So the waterways were kind of the highways that connected these villages together. If you're along a creek or a river in the Verde Valley, you're going to find some sort of pre-Columbian site at least every two miles, uh, whether it's a one- or two-room fort or a hundred-room pueblo. Um, and they're just dotted all over the valley. Uh, and another thing is if you were to overlay a trade route map from this time period, overlay it with our interstates and highways that are in Arizona today, <laughs> it is the same exact routes. I-40, I-17, I-10, Highway 60, it's the same exact routes that they were traveling 800, 900 years ago. It is abs- think- by foot. By foot, yeah, yeah by it, foot. It is absolutely amazing. Okay, we've covered the well, we've covered the castle. We haven't got up the road down to Cornville, uh, back road over to Tuzi Goot. Both structures are built with stone and mortar, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, that's a heck of a hod carrier's job to get mortar up to the top of the castle. But now the castle, built in the recess of a limestone, limestone sheer cliff, Mm-hmm. So you have the anchor points, and you have the thermal mass, and you have so many advantages. And then, like, just, I don't know, what is it, 15 miles down the road at Tuzigut? They built on top of a little knoll. Two very opposite, same culture, same construction type. Right, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, they're about, tw- I think it's 23 miles apart. Okay. But, yeah, it's the it's the same valley, and they had very similar resources, uh, but their choices, we believe, were dictated by the topography of the land. Um, when you're at Montezuma Castle, uh, Beaver Creek, that runs right by the park, did a really great job of carving these sheer cliffs and uh, luckily some south-facing cliffs. And that we, we believe that that was uh, a, a good advantage because in the, in the winter, the oh. sun is shining oh. on that structure all day. And then uh, I'm sure, as, as you know, as living in Phoenix, at night, your house does not automatically cool down. That heat radiates off your walls. And so I, I know for me, sometimes the hottest part of the day in my house is like 7 o'clock at night, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right after the sun goes down. Uh, and then Tuzigoot. Uh, they they had the Verde River, which is the largest river that runs through that valley. Uh, so they wanted to be near it. Uh, the hill uh, takes them out of the flood zone, uh, and there are several pueblos in on the west side of the valley that are up on top of hilltops like that. And that advantage of not being in a cliffside but being on top of a hill is you have what we call a line of sight living. So you can have a visual communication network with your neighbors because everybody lives next to the fresh water source but up on a hill above the tree line so you can actually visually communicate um, it could have been something like smoke signals it could have been something shiny like volcanic glass it could have been something like um, 
they they were really great at weaving cotton and making uh, making uh, fabrics. So it could have been something like that that they were visually communicating with each other. And in all the studying I've done of the pre-Columbian culture in Arizona, of all the assimilated tribes throughout the state of Arizona, something happened about 1400. Right. Yeah. And it was virtually statewide. Yeah, you see that in in the Southwest uh, that that era that there was a huge shift that people moved around quite a bit. Um, the there's a few things that we go off of to explain that time period, and one of these theories could be true, or they could all be true because we all move for various reasons. Um, but the first thing that we look at is the the climate evidence during that time period. Uh, we see a drought that came into that area era during the time period. So if you're a agricultural community, that is uh, that's an issue. That's critical. <laughs> yeah, um, we also see uh, evidence of other cultures coming into the Verde Valley about a hundred years before the Sanawa left, and so now you've got overpopulation plus resource depletion. Um, but we also, uh, we also consult our affiliated tribes, the, the, um, the cultures that have descended from the people that lived at Montezuma Castle and Tuzigut. And some of them say that, that that was never really meant to be a permanent place for them anyway, that it was just a stopover point on their great migration to where they were eventually supposed to live today. And so even though it was a a 400-year stopover point. <laughs> it was still only supposed to be temporary. So. Well, what we've got to in the last couple of minutes of the program here is you've got to invite people up and tell them some of the events you've got going on. Right. So uh, one of the events that I want to let people know about, uh, especially in Tucson, is there's going to oh, be a yes. uh, there's going to be an Arizona National Parks Festival, and it's Sunday, October 28th. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Reed Park in central Tucson. And all 22 Arizona National Park units will be there, represented. We'll each have a booth with information and activities. That um, would be a great yeah. day trip. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We're really excited. Um, we're All the rangers are personally excited because we all email each other, but we never really get to see each other <laughs> very much. So... Uh, so that's going to be great, and there'll be music and cultural demonstrations and activities for kids and a couple of food trucks, so if you get hungry, you can you can have a snack. Oh, Reed, Reed's a great park, too. Reed, yeah. Reed Park's a great park. Reed Park, Sunday. Sunday, October 28th. Uh, mark that on your calendars, yeah. y'all. Laura, any last little invite you'd like to get out to the state of Arizona? Yeah, so uh, take uh, keep an eye out on our websites because uh, we're going to be adding for November, it's Native American Heritage Month. And on Saturdays and Sundays, for each weekend for November, we're going to have special guests and events going on every Saturday and Sunday um, with, our, uh, with our tribal partners. Uh, they're going to be cultural demonstrators artists, uh, musicians, storytellers, jewelry makers, um, kachina carvers. Uh, and it's we do it every year, and it's such a great event. And um, people always end up uh, having some really great conversations with our demonstrators and learning quite a bit about the people that have been in the Southwest for thousands of years. Fantastic. Laura Baron Burkhart, park ranger at Montezuma Castle, Montezuma Well, 
and Tuzigoot. Look for her. Uh, when you see her out on the trails, tell her you heard her on her first ever radio debut. You did a great job. Well, thanks. Yeah. yeah. All right. So when y'all see her out on the trail, let her know you heard her first right here at Rosie on the House. At Rosie on the House, we want you to get out and enjoy the great state of Arizona. That's why we bring you the Arizona Staycations. Pick up your car at Sanderson Ford. We'll set you up and your accommodations. Plus, Sibley's West Arizona Gift Shop, Serena's Candy, Coyote Odie Cookies, Sphinx State Ranch, Cactus Candy, and Arizona Highways always provide some swag for your trip. Win your Arizona Staycation. Register now only at rosieonthehouse.com. And welcome back to Rosie on the House. We're here in the 7 o'clock hour where we're always trying to cover a topic that encourages you to get out from behind the couch or the television, get out in the car, turn your radio on, listen to Rosie on the House, and get up to some point in Arizona to get out and truly, truly enjoy it. So we've been talking about Montezuma's Castle this morning, Montezuma's Well, as well as Tuzigoot National Monument. We have the only place you can go in the world to win an Arizona staycation at rosieonthehouse.com. You go to the webpage. It's right there on the front page. Register to win. Every 15th of the month, we pull a winner. Now, when we pull a winner, we empty the basket of all the names. So you can enroll every single month, okay? On the 15th, which is Monday, I think, mm -hmm. we'll be picking for a winner to go down to Bisbee. For no, yeah, for the copper to stay at the Copper Queen. That's an awesome, awesome weekend. Talk about weekend. a town of history. And I tell you what, with the rain, Sa Southern Arizona and Cochise County and La Paz County, Pima County have gotten right now. You start driving through Texas Canyon, Sonoida, and Patagonia and all that area. I'm telling you, you you're going to think you're driving through Ireland. I mean, the grass is as it's effervescent green, and it's it's up to your knees. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the soil becomes richer colored, and the sky, oh. it's a great time to go. So Monday, we'll be drawing for the Bisbee winner. Where did we just send the last two winners? Uh, they went to La Posada Hotel. Up in Winslow? Yes, and they, okay. we got this long, nice email about how much they loved it, enjoyed it. They took all your advice to go to Hamalavi. Hamalavi. <laughs> I'll never get that right. <laughs> and uh, That's another great, now that's a state park, but it's a yeah. great state park. In the little painted desert. Anyway, they just had a grand old time. Took the, the back highway and just thanked you so much for all the tips on going. And, and then, you should never go there without taking the extra route, go through the painted desert and get up to Aribe up on 2nd and 3rd Mesa. Oldest continually inhabited uh, village area in North America, right here in Arizona, Oribe. It is amazing. But, and so, you, but you do need tribal permission, usually. You should always on. include those types of tips, Rosie. <laughs> so, and then October's winner is going to Jerome Grant Hotel. And that's fun. Great place. Jerome, we had the mayor on a couple weeks ago. Well, uh, past mayor. I think he was the vice mayor now. He was. He is. He is. <laughs> he was. He is. Yeah. Uh, been in Jerome since the 70s. Yeah. I don't think there's many people that can no. say they've lived in Jerome for almost 40 years. No, there isn't. And just, you know, you've got Jerome's right there. You have the Grand Hotel. You got everything that 
Jerome offers. But we've been talking all morning about Tuzigoot that's right down there in Cottonwood, Clarkdale. You can see it. Montezuma's Castle is just around the corner. You've got the entire Verde Valley as is your play. You know, Sedona's 20 minutes one way once you get down off the cliff. You know, you, you never know traffic-wise coming out of Jerome how many other people are going to be winding down that mountain. But once you hit Cottonwood, you're to any any direction, 20 minutes over to uh, Camp Verde, 20 minutes over to Sedona. You could do the Perkinsville Cornville Road oh, just yeah. to view it. That's a yeah. beautiful little hidden treasure right in the middle that you, you've, you've driven from Phoenix to Flagstaff and Sedona, and you never turned off. It, it's a gym you never even knew was right under your nose. You just fly by it on 17. Yeah. Great little community. Well, and, and the Jerome and Grand Hotel is so wonderful, you may not actually want to leave. And the views are fantastic. Yeah, and lots of good little restaurants and art right there in the area. So it's a good place just to hang out. So you go to rosieonthehouse.com, you register to win an Arizona staycation, and you get to go to Sanderson Ford and pick any of the vehicles they've got in the demo lot. The last two winners have taken the Ford Edge. And, folks, this Ford Edge is like a SUV sports car all wrapped up into one. It has won some recent awards. It has won the best car for a family, the Ford Edge. It has won best car for the money if you haven't taken it out and given it a test drive you've got to get over to sanderson ford and try it it is it is a great sporty little car it parks on a dime uh it's got automatic uh, adaptive cruise control it's got lane keeping systems it's got sync uh, bluetooth technology it's got a front 180 degree camera so you can peek around the alley before you turn down the lane before you run over a little susie on a bicycle all the bells and whistles. <laughs> that was kind of a tragic uh, story. <laughs> I, I, I went I went Tommy there for just a minute. <laughs> All right. So that's the edge. The last winner, I think, actually jumped in the flex, which yes, I have to yes. admit I still haven't gotten used to. I'm 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 still like it's a the, different look. I'm still like the LTD station wagon with the 427 in it. But, but it's roomy. It's really cool. But I've this got, has I, much better headroom. Mm-hmm, it does. Yeah. So and they they raved and raved about it. So if you're in the market for something along the lines of the station wagon that I grew up in, you'll be looking at the Ford Flex. So it's the Arizona Staycation. We're drawing Monday for somebody to go down to Bisbee. It's an all-expense-paid trip. You'll love it. And it's Sanderson Ford sponsored. And thank you, Arizona Highways, for participating.